Thank you for your interest in listening to today's podcast. We hope and pray that today's topic will have some sort of influence to bring about transformation in your life. Now please enjoy this talk on Fernando Franco's podcast. Spirit of Jesus, living within us. Matthew chapter 5, verse 41. Here's what Jesus said. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him two miles. I'm going to say it again. Jesus said, if anyone forces you, I want you to say that with me. Say force. Say it again. Say force. One more time. Force. One of the ugliest influence that influences that a leader can have is something, something that is called forceful influence. Where people only follow you because they're afraid of you. And Jesus said, if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. Uh, the Lord gave me this message uh, last week, and I titled it, Sick of Religion. Sick of it. Sick of it. Sick of religion. I guess if you would look at that word religion, uh, of you, or if you would look up the word religion, you're going to find a lot of definitions for it. And one of the, uh, the primary definition of the word religion is going to be the belief in a superhuman controlling power a controlling power I think today this is a brand new decade that we're in there's baby boomers here there's millennials here uh, there are um, there's different decades of generations that are here but I don't know what generation you come from I know what generation I come from but that really don't matter what really matters is in the generation that we're living in today. <clears throat> and we can, we all have different values. We all have different beliefs. I'm talking about our own personal standards for our own life. And one of the greatest mistakes that we can make is try to force our values on somebody else's life. I wish I had an amen right there. Just remember, I want you to go back when you were 11 years old and your mom tried to force her values on you. You didn't agree with it. You didn't like it. And, 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 and more than likely, your mom was true, was right. However, that still wasn't your values for that time in your life. Yes, now you're 26 and they're your, they're your values today, but they weren't when you were 11. And so one of the worst things that we can do is to force your personal values on somebody else's life. That's called religion. It's called control. It's called abusive power, especially if you hold it in your hand. And so many lives have been destroyed. Churches have been ruined through destruction because of this thing called control. But no matter what generation you come from, here is the bottom line truth. Today, we are in a brand new decade, the year 2020. I know some of you are clapping because you were supposed to die in 2007. But you made it here, so to God be the glory. But we are in a new decade, the year 2020. And here's the truth about 2020, okay, that this decade... This time that we find ourselves in, the world has been turned off to religion. They've been turned off to religion, 
and they've been turned off by religion. People don't want to come to church. I don't care how good the worship can be, how great of a presentation a church can give. You know what? Today, that don't matter anymore. You can have the greatest and the most dynamic children's department in the entire city and in the county, and that don't even matter anymore. You know what people want today? Something that is called authenticity. They want the real deal in a church. And the real deal in a church is a church that will admit we're not perfect. See, because we're, if you come from my generation, you were preached to be perfect. And that message still don't change. We were all asked to be like Jesus, but it doesn't say to be Jesus. Because we will never be at his level of performance. He was flawless. Now, we're asked to be like him. We were created in his image and all of these other things. But we have to really, really come to the truth that you and me were not perfect. And so when people who are lost start saying and hearing, whoa, there's a church around that actually is normal. That I'm not going to be looked at different because I'm a sinner. I mean, Jesus made it very clear. I told Manuel today on the way up here, I hope I finish this message. That's not going to happen. I haven't even started the message. This is 2020, guys. People want authenticity. They want a real church, not a fake church. You know, I've been talking with people who are saying, Pastor, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I don't want to be a hypocrite. I said, well, your attitude already tells me you're not a hypocrite because you're admitting to not being perfect. A hypocrite is somebody who hides their flaws, who hides their sins. <clears throat> That's why people don't want to come to church because they post something on social media and then they come to church and they get criticized over what they posted on social media. I think the ones that if we were in, in an authoritative position to be a judge, which we are not, if we were in the authoritative position to be a judge, the ones we really should be judging are the ones who are not posting what they're doing, but doing it secretly. I have a lot of weird looking faces looking at me right now. Like what is happening to our pastor? In health because I just came back from getting a physical. You have to eat right. And so in a church, the church has to eat right. And there is something in a church that is called, or there's something in health intake that is called a balanced diet. You, you have to have a balanced diet in church sermons. You can't always just preach broccoli to a church. There'll be a whole lot of gas up in this house. <laughs> but you got to give broccoli. You got to give protein. You got to give some carbs. And you know what? You even got to give some sugar. That's a balanced diet. And so it's important, I guess, me as a pastor, as the sheep feeder, there got to be a balanced diet. 
Today is a balanced diet. People want authenticity. They want real, real Christians. You know what a real Christian is? A real Christian is not somebody who lives close to perfect. A real Christian is somebody who admits their imperfections. Even Britney Spears said, oops, I did it again. That's why, she, that's why she has a huge fan base. If her song was a oop, I'm perfect, perfect, oop, I'm perfect, perfect. No, nobody wants to follow somebody who's perfect because they'll never be able to get close to somebody who's perfect. But, you know, I guess <clears throat> I'm sick of religion. Because religion says be perfect. That's what happened with Martin Luther. Martin Luther, if you know anything about church history, Martin Luther was sick of religion. His dad, his dad owned a very successful company. His dad was going through a lot of uh, uh, legal fights in the court of law. And his dad told his son, Martin Luther, he says, I want to send you to law school because, so you could be the family's attorney. So we're not spending money on all of these lawyers. And Martin Luther said, okay, dad, if that's what you want. So his father sent him to law school for four years. And at the end of his law school term, he, he, he starts feeling that he doesn't want to be an attorney. So he has to face the hard truth and go back to his dad at home. And he tells his dad, dad, I don't want to be an attorney. His dad kicked him out of the house. And on his way home from leaving, on his way from leaving home, a thunderstorm hits. And Martin Luther is faced by the, with the fear of God. And he hears God tell him to separate himself and to seek God's face. And that God, God had a call in in his life. Now understand, this is the 1500s. A whole different generation from you here today. And he goes into a place of separation, which at that time, what, what, what a group of people that were called monks. And Martin Luther becomes a monk. And he separates himself so much where later on now he becomes a priest in the Catholic Church. And he's a priest in that church. He starts being dealt with that He's sick of religion. He's not in agreement with the laws of the church. He's not in agreement that, hey, this church that I'm a priest of is telling lies about the Bible. You have to understand that back then in the 1500s, the Bible was only available in one language, and it was Latin. And so what does that do for Germans? What does that do for English? What does that do for Asians? They, they can't read in Latin, and let alone there was no printing presses around in the 1500s. So therefore, the Bibles that the churches had was only one Bible that belonged to the priest that was changed to the, chained to the podium so nobody can steal or have access to the only Bible in the church. So if you're part of a congregation, the only word you got was the word that was being delivered to you from the pulpit. You didn't have the privilege or didn't have the access to own your own Bible. We're in a whole other generation. Today you have ten at your house and don't even bring one to church. Martin Luther said, I'm sick of religion. Um, if you know anything about church history, he came up with something that was called the 95 Theses. Basically, 95 arguments on what the Catholic Church was preaching was not biblical. And you know what the biggest the biggest argument that he had, and by the way, his life was threatened. A death threat was put on his life. He had to flee. He had to run. He was kicked out of the Catholic Church. And uh, he pretty much committed a crime because at that time, 
the uh, Pope had more power than the government. It's a really big, big, big mess, by the way. However, um, uh, <laughs> believe it or not, God can also bless the mess. So whatever your mess is, have hope that God can bless your mess. And it was a big mess. It was a big mess. And one of the greatest arguments that he argued against the Catholic Church, the top two out of the 95, you know, there was a lot of them, like, you know, praying to, to saints was not biblical. And, and he came up with proof of these, was a, that he nailed on the church door. But the biggest one that he fought is at that time, the Catholic Church, there was something that the Catholic Church, and by the way, I'm not down in the Catholic Church because in reality, they're still considered Christian. It's just another denomination. We're Protestant Christian. That's different. Same God, just different beliefs. They pray to saints. You pray to leaders. You want your leader to solve all your problems for you. You want the pastor to solve all the problems for you. That were your modern day saints. Man, those saints are smart. They just, they're porcelain like we ain't answering back. Talk to me all day. I ain't listening. I ain't talking back. Yeah, like praying to saints. But the, the, one of the greatest things was is the Catholic Church moved in something that was called indulgences. The Catholic Church started telling people they had to pay the church for their sins to be forgiven. You had to pay the priest if you wanted your sins to be forgiven. And if you wanted, here, here, here's what the, the depth of it was, not just for your sins to be forgiven. But if you had a loved one that had died and was in purgatory, if you paid the church money, then God will get them out of purgatory and they'll go to heaven. Well, you got to understand is that nobody had a Bible. They just had to believe whatever the pastor or the priest was speaking about. And that bothered, bothered Martin Luther. He was sick of religion. What bothered Martin Luther is also the Catholic Church kept saying that you had to go to a priest. And the priest was a mediator between you and God. And the priest was the only one who was able to take your sins before the throne of God. And you can be forgiven. Martin Luther said, that's religion. Jesus came as the final sacrifice and died once and for all to have access. The, the curtain was torn in half so that way you can have access to where the Ark of the Covenant was. You can have access to talk to Jesus yourself. And Martin Luther said, I'm sick of religion. Controlling people's lives. That's an ugly way. To be a leader. You know why? Because you're going to get let down every minute of your life. Your whole life will be living in the law of offense. Well, I don't like him because he didn't do what I said. I don't like her because she's not doing what I said. I don't like them because they're not doing this. That's an ugly way to live your life. So according to a news gallop that was taken last year by Jeffrey M. Jones, church membership among the United States has declined especially in the past 20 years in 1938 73 percent of americans were church attenders today less than 50 percent of america goes to church why is that because people are sick of religion 
That's why. Sick of being controlled, sick of being judged, and sick of fake love. Now, it's hard to love everybody. I try my best to love as many people as I can, but it is hard to love everybody. And what I, I guess, here's what I, don't misinterpret me. I love everybody. I love everybody, but what I'm trying to say is I'm not omnipresent. That's what I mean when I say it's hard to love everybody. I should complete the sentence, it's hard to love everybody at the same time. That's why the Holy Spirit is in your life as the comforter. Because he can be everywhere at the same time. He's in Germany right now celebrating with Tyson Fury's family. Or he's in Britain right now celebrating with Tyson Fury's family. And he's in Las Vegas right now comforting Wilder's family. He's in this church right now. He's in the church next door. He's in church down the block. And in some churches he don't even visit. Because he's not welcome there. It's hard to love everybody at the same time. But fake love. Fake love, you know. You know what real love is? Real love is actually to say, you know, and, and this is tough because you get, criticized, you get criticized for it no matter what. This happened to me the other day. I was at a restaurant again. And some guy says, hey, how are you doing, Pastor Fernie? And uh, when I don't recognize the face, uh, I've just learned, hey, just be truthful. Say you're sorry, and you just can't remember them. Be real. I think that's working against me, but it's the honest thing to do. It's like, I'm not going to say, hey, Jerome. He's like, no, my name's Jose. You know, it's not going to. I'm like, hey, man, I, this is what I said. I'm sorry, man. I just ah, I can't, can't remember where I know you from. And then you get, I get dogged out and all this other stuff. And so, but to me, that's real love. Fake love would be to act like I know the person. Real love is to admit that, okay, I can't remember you. And even though someone even says, you used to pick me up every day for church. I was like, when? He goes, 1986. Okay, well, that explains it. Um, th this is why church attendance is declining in America. It had, a, it had a good look for a couple of years. It showed an incline. But however, people want authenticity over fancy. They can care less about a nice looking backdrop today. Because all they have to do today is just go to yard house. Just go to a club, just go anywhere else and they'll get the nice backdrop, they'll get the lights, they'll get the smoke, they'll get the music. They could go anywhere they want to get what the church is trying to compete with the world with. But what they won't get in a club is authentic love. What they'll get in a club is being used by a man. What they'll get in a club is being raped at 3 a.m. after they drunk you to your unconsciousness that's what they'll get there so when they come here 
They got to get the total opposite. We may not have the smoke. We may not have the strobe lights. We may not have the fancy. But what we got to make sure we protect is our authenticity. That we are the real deal. That we don't act like we're perfect. We don't preach like we're perfect. We admit that we have flaws. And there's areas that we're working in on our lives. Because that's what attracts the people who are hurting the most. I wish I had an amen here this morning. I don't ever, ever want to have to come to church because I'm being controlled to come to church. I want to come to church because I can't wait to be part of the church. I can't wait to see my church. I can't wait to touch my church and to just hang out with my brothers and my sisters of the church. If we've been coming to a church, to, to the church now for a few years, we could come religiously. Another word for religion that you'll find in the dictionary is called routine. We could come here out of routine. Just come in here because that's what we've been doing for the last 10 years. Routine, routine. We were at a conference last week. And the Thrive House was there for one of the nights. And, and I was sitting there at the conference in, in, in my row. And then I look over to my side, and there's a guy that is literally like asleep, like knocked out, like, like NyQuil laid out, just bam. <laughs> and I looked at him, and then uh, immediately the first thing that starts coming to my mind is, is uh, the judgmental attitude. Like, how dare this guy be sleeping in the second row? You know, that, that's what started, I started to flirt with that. And then I was like, okay, be cool, Fern, unlearn what you've learned, unlearn what you've learned. And he was out. But here's what tripped me out is the pastor was preaching, and he was asleep, and he was going... looking at him and I was like either he's, he's doing it out of routine but then then I started thinking about times when I was in Amsterdam and I was on a 10-hour time zone difference I was that brother so maybe he came from another I don't know the UK or something I don't know but all I know is that I don't want to be like that. Uh, I don't want to be judging. I remember I, I was at a conference one time. I was like 18 or 19 years old. I stood up all night partying with the youth. Not that kind of partying, but just hanging out. You know what I'm talking about, Jesus partying like that. And I remember we had to go to a morning session. It was a Sunday morning church service. And we went, and, and I was there, and I was sitting down, and it was time for the altar call. And the pastor had everybody stand, and I was so sleepy. I, was, I stood up at my seat like everybody else did, and then I just fell over, asleep, standing up. Not exaggeration. I literally fell over. The person behind me caught me. And the person whispered in my ear and said, the power of God is strong here, huh? <laughs> I was like, I ain't going to be respectful. I just didn't say nothing. I was like, no, the preaching was boring. That's what was wrong. 
I didn't say that. I was just, I shouldn't have stood up so late last night. When people start coming to church because they want to and because they are not forced to, is a day when we'll start having a revival. When we start coming to church because we want to, we won't be able to help but to start bringing other people to church with us. So they can have the same experiences of God that you're having. Sick of religion. There will be a part two, I guess. So Jesus, when Jesus said this to the, to the disciples, if anyone forces you to go with them a mile, go with them too. About a decade before Jesus was born, the Roman government issued a law that if you were a Roman soldier, then you could command any man or boy with an abled body, meaning a boy that was strong enough. If you're a Roman soldier, you can command that man or boy to carry your luggage for you up to one mile by law. And if you didn't, you would be in prison. So if you lived in Rome and you were 16 years old, and the, or if you lived here in Oxnard and uh, Oxnard PD came up to you and you were 16 years old, he can tell you if there was no cars around and there was just horses, he could tell you, hey, I need for you to carry all my armory. I need for you to carry my backpack. I need for you to carry all of this stuff for me. And you would have to carry it for up to one mile. That was the law. And so Jesus said to the disciples, if anyone forces you, to go with him one mile, go two miles. You know what Jesus was doing? He was breaking the mentality of religion. He was saying, don't do just what is required of you. Go beyond what is required of you. Religion. Breaking the mentality of religion. What religion have you been indoctrinated with? Well, you know what you need to do? You need to read your Bible. You need to, I wonder how many people even knew what that scripture meant about going the second mile. Why did Jesus say that? Well, now you know why, if you didn't know why. See, but when you read your Bible for yourself, when you study for yourself, when you dig in deep for yourself, then you know what happens? Then you start building a relationship with God rather than being led towards a religion with God. Because you don't bring your Bible, you don't read it for yourself, therefore you're indoctrinated with a man's religion and not with a relationship with the Son of Man. So I guess this is how I'll close, okay. <clears throat> the difference between the first mile and the second mile. Write this down. The first mile is religion and the second mile is relationship. Jesus came to break the curse of religion. And for some religious people, it upset them when he came. And for others, it attracted them. Hear me. Look at religious people hate this kind of message that I'm preaching. They don't like it. 
Because the only thing that's coming to their mind is saying, so pastor, so you're preaching it's okay for people to sin. That's how religious you are. Because if, if that's the way you're thinking, then you're saying you're sinless. No, you still commit sin. You, you may not be committing adultery, but you are not tithing. You may not be drinking alcohol, but you're eating nine Big Macs. Oh, I wish I had an amen. I wish I had an amen. You may be pointing the finger at everybody, but you don't let nobody point their finger at you. Wow. Wow. You stay saved because the relationship you have with God, not the religion that you've been indoctrinated with. Religion wasn't cutting it no more. That's why God had to send his son. He said, you know what religion was? Religion was animals were the sacrifices. That wasn't cutting it no more. God said, my people need more than religion. They need a relationship. So I'm going to send somebody who can identify with them. I'm going to send, I'm gonna send a not just a messenger, but a message. That if I'm able to lose my own son for them, then that's a message in itself. And the messenger is going to come that will walk with them, that will identify with them, that will eat with them, that will pray with them, that will be one of them, and then he will die for them. Jesus came and he said he's sick of religion, and he got to break religion by introducing a relationship with man and God, not man and with another man and then God, not man and a middle man and God, but with man and God personally God said this is how I'm going to break religion so a relationship with you and God will always attract the weary religious soul that's been turned off by religious churches a relationship with you and God will attract it not that the church won't attract it the relationship with you and God will attract religious people who are sick of religion because they're going to see the joy the happiness on your face <clears throat> okay so I really don't I really don't know how to end this because it feels like it's ended like I'm leaving you hanging here like well what do I do then pastor that's how I kind of feel like what is going through your head Okay, this is the end. The first mile and the second mile. Number one, to love your neighbor is the first mile. To love your enemy is the second mile. That's what Jesus said. Don't, don't, don't hate me. That's what Jesus said. 
to love your neighbor is the first mile. <laughs> to love your enemy is the second mile. Wow. Whew. Can you love the man who did that to you? Now, here's the real deal. Here's the real deal. See, normally I would preach, well, you better start loving him or else you ain't going to be loved yourself. No, the real deal is I understand why you can't love that man who did that to you. Let's be real here. We can't just cut and jump forward and say you're saved and washed by the blood now, so you should love this man. No. We, we, our souls are comprised of different things, and one of them are called emotions. We have emotions. That's part of the soul. It, it's, it's hard to love that man who did that to you. That man who accused you of something and it wasn't true. That man who violated you when you were under the influence or whatever the situation may be. That, that's hard to be able to love your enemy. But Jesus said, listen, the more you build a relationship with him, the longer you're in a relationship with God, then the more you'll be able to love your enemy. But that takes time. That's the first mile to love those who is your neighbor, your friend. Then Jesus said, number two, hey, to bless those who bless you is the first mile. To bless those who curse you is the second mile. I was with a pastor yesterday, and he was telling me about this man who caused a church split in his church, who tried to take his church from him. And he started his own little church. This guy who left the church and tried to influence people and take people with him. And you know what, you know what the, the, the pastor told me? He says, you know what I do? And now I support that church financially. I said, wow, that's what you call non-religious. You're blessing those who cursed you? That's a true relationship with God. I looked at him and I wanted to say, could I be your enemy? Number three, and I only have four. Number three, to do good to those who do good to you is the first mile. To, good, to do good to those who hate you is the second mile. This is Jesus. This is Jesus. And lastly, praying for those who pray for you is the first mile. Praying for those who despitefully use you is the second mile. <sighs> wow. Sick of religion sick of religion I don't know what you've been taught or what you taught yourself or you, what you've been taught by others but I'm teaching you what the Bible what Jesus says on what second mile lifestyle is and you cannot have a second mile lifestyle if you don't have a relationship lifestyle with Jesus with Jesus we thank you for listening to today's podcast now it's your time to add the value of this podcast to your daily life. Once again, thank you for your time in listening to Fernando Franco's podcast today. Please help us spread this message by compelling someone today about this podcast. Thank you, and may God bless you.